Blog Talk Radio. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Born to Talk Radio Show. I'm your host, Marsha Waiteka. Conversations plus connections equals community. Those are my three C's. The heart of my show is what's your story? It's my belief we all have stories. Some are similar, others are uniquely different. Storytelling brings the passions of my guests to life through our conversations. So be prepared to be entertained, informed, and inspired. Welcome to today's show. Well, hi, everyone, and thanks for joining me today. And I'm sure you've heard this more than once, but may the fourth be with you. My guest today, (laughs) true, right? My guest today is Diane Gardner, and Diane and I are classmates from Westchester High School, go comments. And she is a multi yes, and she is a multi-talented artist. Make note, artist, novelist, screenwriter, and now she is also a filmmaker. Holy cow. Welcome to the show, Diane. Thank you, Marsha. It's really fun to be able to talk to you and um reminisce a little bit on Westchester High School. And, Indeed. Uh, <laughs> yes. Well, you know, that's funny you should say that. I, 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 I like to do a Facebook Live just prior to the show to encourage those folks that are on Facebook to, to tune in at the top of the hour if they're able to listen live. And I actually held up our yearbook, and I looked at your picture, and I, then I looked at my picture, and I thought to myself, <laughs> okay, if I don't get a haircut pretty soon, Diane, I'm going to be wearing my hair in a flip like I did in junior <laughs> high school. I cannot even believe this. My gosh. But I, I thought that you could tell, you know, and I'm not going to talk about the gray, um, but I'd like it if you could just um, tell tell us a little bit about yourself. We I, I established that we both went to Westchester, but I'd, I'd like the, the, the listeners to get to know a bit about you. Well, after graduating Westchester High School, um, I ended up going to Arizona, and I went to college there at the Northern Arizona University. Um, and from there on, I, you know, this was the '60s, so we we all lived through the '60s. I had seven children and did some work. The um, latest job that I had was driving an access bus, which is drives for the handicap. Mm-hmm. Um, but I've moved from Westchester to um, northern Arizona, up around Winslow, and then back to California a few times, and and now I live in Washington State, and my hmm. husband and I are retired, and we've got a piece of property with fruit trees and a garden and everything that I always wanted when I was a little kid. That's What part of Washington State are you living in? I'm in western Washington, the Puget Sound area, Kitsap County. It's across the water from Seattle and more oh, of a rural setting. Yeah. That's it's so really beautiful nice. here. Yeah. Oh, it it is. Um one of our classmates, I you were graduating in the winter class of 67. I graduated in the summer class and I have visited friends that um live in the Seattle area in the fall. And it's just like New England. I presume is that yeah. the same with, with you, with the beautiful leaves and just oh yeah, it's wizard, gorgeous it? here in the fall. Yeah, it's it's oh, really yeah. beautiful. It's beautiful all year long. And I'm not. Um, I mean, I like the sun, but I'm not the kind mm-hmm. of person that. I mean, when I lived in California, I was wishing that 
you know, there were seasons. And here we have the seasons. It's not too um, too hard of a winter. You know, we have a little bit of snow, but not too much to make it horrible like it would be back east. But, you know, and then we've got a lot of rain, which I don't mind because that's perfect for writing and, you know, and painting. Yeah. So <laughs> keeps me so indoors. That's, that's I- ideal. And you have property and you know, a yes. lot of people wish that they, they had the kind of property where you could, like you mentioned, have fruit trees and things like that. We're yes. going to be spending time, and, and I know that a lot of our classmates will be listening into this because they will. And we're going to be spending <laughs> some time about the disciplines, I guess maybe would be the word I would use, um, to you, Diane. And I thought we could start off with... Diane, the artist, and I'd also like to tell people here at the top of the hour, and I will mention it once again as we move through the show, you have a magnificent website. It is just, oh, it was, shouldn't you. surprise me. It it really is beautiful. And for those of you listening, you can just simply go to the www.gardeners, and that's G-A-R-D-N-E-R-S, gardenersart.com. And the first thing you'll see are pictures of books and things like that. And the other interesting thing about you, too, Diane, is that professionally you're known as D.L. Gardner, aren't you? Yes. Great. So that will also let people know that you are one and the same. And right. I, I, I thought we could really start with your art and just take us through what, what, what art means to you. So were you interested in art I mean, the actual concept of drawing and all of that when you were in high school? Actually, I started doing my artwork before high school. My mother was an artist. I don't know if there's anybody out there that remembers me and my mother. She was a PTA, you know, um, president for a while, and she did a lot of artwork for this you know, Loyola Village School and okay. you know, for Orville Wright, too. And she um, she was also an oil painter, but she was kind of a closet oil painter, and she put all her, you know, she did these beautiful paintings and put them away in the closet, and nobody ever saw them. But she, when she was painting, she would give me her used oil paints, and I would go in the kitchen and shut the doors and turn the music way up and just kind of <laughs> scribble all over the canvas. I don't think I did anything worthwhile back then. But I, it was to me, it was an expression, and it still is. It's an expression of my soul, you know, my inner being. And um, and she recognized that because she was an artist too. So she gave me lessons with this lady who did sculptures in uh, Play del Rey, and um, I learned a lot about working in clay. And I think that I don't work in clay anymore because I've studied with the master who was a sculptor, Master John Henry Waddell in Arizona, and I saw. Oh, it's, you know, there's a lot of chemicals and there's a lot of heavy work and you have to have a forge and, you know, sculpture is just like not, it's out of my league. But um, but learning how to to sculpt helped me with my oil painting and to see three-dimensional rather than just 2D. Um, mm-hmm. And I, it did, yeah, it helped me a lot with that. So, yeah, I was but- always passionate about painting and the masters and, yeah. It's really interesting. I, um, As people are listening to the show, depending upon how you choose to listen, um, you can certainly listen and at the same time visit Diane's page of, of her exquisite art. 
And it, it, it basically what I'm looking at is I'm looking at your art is it all seems to say oil on canvas. So when you, what do you, when you say oil, what does oil mean to somebody that doesn't know anything about art? Oh, oil paints. They're oil paints, which is oh, uh, the pigment is mixed with the linseed oil. And some of the other paints have, you know, like safflower oil and stuff, but I use the paints that are mixed with linseed oil. And, uh, yeah, they're oil paints with the same kind of paints that the masters, you know, did back. I mean, it's an ancient, ancient uh, kind of medium. All right. Well, I, you, you've got a heron up there that, I mean, is just spectacular. I, I'm not to mention all of the other art, but as I'm watching it, you know, fly by on the screen while I'm speaking to you, it's it's so beautiful. So when I look at some of these photos, or not, they're not photos, I'm, they're, I'm pictures of your art, and I look at a stallion or I look at um, any of these, these photos, you do look, they have quite a few horses. How long does it take you to paint something like this? You know, that really varies, not just on the size, but the meat, the subject that I'm painting. Of course, portraits are going to take a lot longer than say the heron um and it also depends on my reference because i don't just paint out of my head i I use a use a photograph that i took or a photograph that i've bought or um plain air painting which is going outside and painting from the in the open air and you know it also um the type the style you know if it's Mm -hmm. realism that takes longer of course so I, that painting that you're looking at, that heron, the blue heron, mm-hmm. um, took me about, let's see, three to four weeks. Whoa. So, so because I, it's really interesting, Diane, I, I know that you, you, you wouldn't know this about me, but I have a younger brother, and huh? he really became interested in art because of the art teacher at Westchester High, who was just a couple years younger than us, and huh. that actually translated into his whole pathway. He became an art teacher and oh, cool. worked at, at Orville Wright and taught oh. art. But <laughs> but awesome. unlike you, isn't that interesting? But unlike you, drawing wasn't his forte. He liked he liked the clay. He liked the sculpture. Uh-huh. He liked yeah. that aspect of art. Until just now, he is. He is actually painting him right now. He is painting a whole thing about dogs. It's just really beautiful. Oh, I think awesome. that talent is so neat. And like you said, your mother was was very artistic. Our dad was was artistic as well. And it's it's interesting how that that kind of discipline comes down to all of us. So it, yeah, it's they very, say that it's like a right brain and a left brain sort of you know correct. Right. Yeah. <laughs> that's, I think that's really true. So when we talk about art, you mentioned um, portraits. You mentioned classics. So we, how would you describe your art? What kind of what what would you just how would you describe your art? I call it impressionism realism, impressionistic realism, because it it's not realism as in. Salvador Dali or someone who paints photographic, but it's realism is in that the subject matter is 
you know, from life. It's not abstract. And impressionism that um, is a loose brushstroke. Um, I don't know if you're familiar with the impressionist. Um, no, give me an example of an impressionist. Who would be an Monet. impressionist? Monet. Okay. Claude okay. Monet. Yeah, his work right. is impressionist. You know, Van Gogh. Okay. Um, yeah. So they so painted were- realistic subjects, but they did it in you know, more of an impression of a realistic subject. I see. It's they're and they're all I can see they're they're all different sizes and mm-hmm. they're and and if I understand this correctly, they are available for sale too, is that right? They are and I have a, a gallery online where you can buy directly from me, so that's wonderful. What what if somebody had like the best pelican picture in the whole world? Marsha, and she sent that, <laughs> Marsha, to you. Is would you be able to then take that picture and would you paint from that photo? Would that be a way that you would point paint? Yeah. yeah. Wow. I can do that. That's that's really that's really cool. Oh my goodness. Um, <laughs> Did you right. take the photograph? Uh, yes, I, I have camera. Will travel. So oh, yes, awesome. I, I'm a sure, bit of a bird yeah, brain. Absolutely. Yeah, I sometimes guess, there's a you you know sometimes if you're using somebody else's photograph, right? Um, you know that gets copyright tricky. issues you have to deal right. with. Yeah. yeah. Well, it's funny because the great blue heron that I passing me by, um, I was just taking a picture of one um, on what's today today's uh, Saturday because it's when was the last time you were in this side of when you were in the Westchester area, Diane? How long has it been? <laughs> Um, I haven't been in Westchester since 1967. <laughs> okay. So no, that, well, actually, I probably did go and visit my parents. Maybe in the 70s was the last time. I had not been back. I had not just, been back there. You wouldn't believe what it's what it looks like now. And sometime we will go off off the show, and we will FaceTime, and I will show you what where Google and YouTube. And all and Yahoo and all of these businesses, these concrete jungle businesses, are just over the hill beyond beyond uh, Loyola Marymount. It's 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 pretty remarkable. But I'm getting us off track. So what I wanted <laughs> to know is, so you you do this beautiful artwork. Where do you show it? How how do people physically see it besides your? I'm your, actually um, almost exclusively online. Okay. Um, all I right. just. Recently was accepted into the Puget Sound Group of Northwest Artists, and they show in galleries. But since the COVID-19 thing, um, none of the galleries are open right now. Right, right. And um, we were going to have a show this spring, but that was canceled, so we did an online show, and um, the link is up on my website, or it's going to be today. Okay, Um, wonderful. Yeah. Wonderful. And and after that, after all this is over, I'll be showing in some galleries here and there. But terrific, terrific. Yeah, basically, I sell online. All right. So let's go from your beautiful art to your writing, because I don't know how I don't know when you sleep or you you know do your laundry, <laughs> but it seems like you are forever involved in such wonderful things. So I'd like to really talk about your writing now. And I'm, okay. I'm curious to know, uh, you, you got your inspiration from art from your mom, 
But what about your writing? Where did the writing inspiration come from? I don't know that there's um, any writers in my family. I don't think, you know, I I don't know. But Mm -hmm. um, I do know that when I was in high school, and even younger than that, I read a lot of Shakespeare. I loved my English classes. um, And writing to me when I wrote poetry really helped. I was kind of a depressed, you know, I don't probably a lot of us were, but Mm -hmm. that teenage year was, you know, It was difficult to go through, and um, and so a lot of my depression was um, healed through writing poetry, writing essays, and I always tried to emulate the masters. In fact, when I was in junior high school, I remember I actually wrote an opera. My gosh! And because I thought Beethoven was so cool. And um, <laughs> I mean, it was really corny, you know. I did write some music that my mother taught me how to play the piano, but um, it was it was kind of interesting. But you know, it was, I've always been that kind of person. I see something, and I go, "Oh, I love that! I'm going to try to do it," you know. And of course, it was always these people that was way beyond my reach. But you know, well, <laughs> I mean, you know, it's one thing to say, "Oh, I like to write." I mean, it's another thing to write. And <laughs> I think that I think what's going to be so great when when this show is posted on our class Facebook page and people listen to this Diane, they're going to be going, "I had no idea. I didn't know she had all that talent. Wow, this is so so great." And I don't know when you when did you actually publish your very first book? Okay, so I didn't write an actual novel until 2013. Okay. So I'm sort of a late bloomer. I had seven kids, so there wasn't much, you know, artistic endeavors that I could go through with all okay. of my children. I had to wait until that was, you know, settled sure. and the kids grew up. <clears throat> But um, yeah, I wrote my first novel in 2013, and it has—it's um, actually Ian's Realm. Um, the first novel that uh, the first edition of that I wrote was kind of—it um, needed some editing, you know. So I've rewritten it a couple times, and I've written sequels to it, and now I put the whole—the first three sequels into one volume. So if you go there and see the book Ian's Realm Saga, that's three books in one. <clears throat> Interesting. I so that that's 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 I, I'm I'm interested to know about this. I would say would you would you say that the genre of books because oh my gosh I like I'm saying if you go to Diane's page you will see these book covers that are just staggering. Um, would you say that these are designed for the for the young? Adults? These are young adults. Yeah, the books that mm-hmm. yeah Ian's Realm Saga is a young adult. Um, novel, and um, actually almost all of my books are young adult, especially now mm-hmm. since young adults are reading, you know, books that we probably wouldn't be allowed to read back in the 60s. Right. You know, right. I, mean, I look at Hunger Games, and that's a young adult, and I'm going, oh, okay. So, yeah, my my books are all young adult novels. Um, fantasy, lots of... Um, Different genres. I have um, different subgenres of fantasy. I have an so urban give, fantasy. So give me an example. Give me an okay, example so of like that. My story, Paraka, is about mermaids, and that is 
considered an urban uh, fantasy because it's written for in modern times and yeah, basically because it's written in modern times. Okay, um, so I'm looking at that. So that's spelled P O U R A K A, and it's got a photo yeah. of a of a mermaid on the front of it. Right. And that would be considered what? Did, how did you describe that as urban? Urban, urban fantasy. Okay. All yeah. right. Vampires and mermaids are urban fantasy. Even vampires. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. That's well. If they're gosh, I, if they're written in today, if they're historical vampires, I don't know. I haven't gone that far. I don't do that. All right. I only did one vampire book. Um, okay. And it's a comedy. It's the oh. unconventional Mr. Peabody, and it is it's funny. I had um, okay. this really wonderful man um, narrate it, and oh my gosh, he he made it funnier than I thought I wrote it. So. <laughs> well, yeah. So, so that's so. You know, I'm seeing that unconventional Mr. Peabody. Pe- no, Peabody. 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 Now, you you mentioned something about the fact that that was that was turned into an audio book that somebody actually read that as as right. Yeah, I've got a few audio books online. I've got them on Amazon, and um, okay, and then you can get them at the library in that too. No Not kidding. all of my books are done into audios, but Thread of the Spider, Peabody, Paraka, Dylan, and Ian's Realm were all made into audiobooks. And people could probably, I don't know, I, I would presume that they could just download those, right, and, and mm-hmm. purchase them and put them on their Kindle or however they like right. to do their books. Right, that's what people do. Or they put them on their yes. phones sometimes and right. listen to them while they're driving and... Right. Yeah. Well, I'm looking. I'm looking at the cover of the unconventional Mr. Peabody, and I see that there's this red velvety chair. There's mm-hmm. what looks like a chipmunk on the arm, which of course caught my eye. I see that there's a, a man in a suit that's grayish behind him, holding a glass of wine. Who who designed that? I'll just we'll just look at that one. Who actually designs <laughs> the covers of your books? Is that somebody that works with I work, you? I have, yeah, I have a, a, a book cover designer. Um, I found her on Fiverr, Fiverr.com, um, where people go and they say, "Well, I, you know, I've got to get, you know, I'll do a gig for you for so much money mm-hmm. and stuff." And she did such a wonderful job on the first books that I, you know, I use her almost exclusively on the other ones. Um, but I, you know, I tell them what they want. The, the chipmunk, I actually took that picture. And sent it to her, and she Neat. photoshops it and puts it into you know the background and stuff. That's and I really... did that with a lot of the other covers too, with Thread of a Spider. Those those um, kids came over, and I have costumes from my movies, and I put the costumes on them and took photographs and then sent them to her, and she put it together for. Wow. Yeah. I'm just I'm really thinking about a 24-hour day, the day in the life. Boy, I think. That could certainly be an interesting book, the day in the life of, of an artist, and you know, and, and and with the artist being sort of the overarching word of meaning you're an author, a novelist as well. Right. Really, sure. it's really fascinating to me, to be honest with you. What do you What do you find so intriguing about writing? What is it about writing that you love so much? Well, you know, I've always been kind of a dreamer. <laughs> 
and, you know, my dad used to tell me I always had my head in the clouds, and, you know, he was right. You know, I loved Disney. That was my big thing. I wanted to, used to want to work for Disney when I was a kid. That was my goal, but it never happened. Mm-hmm. Um, because I was not encouraged to do my art as a career, and that had to do with my, you know, my father, who he wanted to be a career artist because he was a draftsman, and he did wonderful work, but um, that was during the war, and of course there was no place for anything artistic during the war. And mm-hmm. so he figured, you know, if you, he had a he had he had a different idea about life. We'll just put it that way. All right. So I wasn't encouraged to do artwork when I was a kid. So mm-hmm. um, that was a question. <laughs> so no. So it's, well, what's interesting is what. Hey, you're good with me, honey. Um, it's Monday, right? Okay, and wait. Uh, but anyway, um, uh, that's funny. We we don't get to use days as, as an example. But what what I was asking you is about what you find interesting about and intriguing oh, about writing. Yeah, but what, yeah. I, what, so what, I, what? Yes. I, you know, I love the human being. You know, and I mean, you can see that as, because I love to do portraiture. I love to do figure art, and I have people come back and say, "Oh, wow, you really captured you know their personality and stuff." It's because I. I study personalities. I love it. You know, I took uh, pastoral counseling when I was in um, college at at, uh, Southeastern University. And it helped me understand how, you know, how people get to where they're at. You know, what are Mm -hmm. all the tragedies in their life and all the, you know, tribulations that they go through and and the conflicts that they have to conquer and how do they relate how does this personality relate with this personality and so most of my stories are character driven because i love my characters i love putting myself into them and and looking at their lives and creating them and then mm. pitching them up against each other <laughs> so i you know that's one thing i love the fact that um when you're reading or writing you get to live a whole you know, much more of life than you would if you didn't. And so I'm, you know, I'm really an, an avid reader and I am an avid writer also because it's three-dimensional. It's, you've got a whole different dimension, you know, to your life by that's, entering that's, in, into all these fantasy worlds. <laughs> I I love that. I I think that's, that's really, that's, that's really inspiring. What I'd be curious to know about is, you must have a process. So mm-hmm. wh- so I've I've had other authors on my show before that will tell me, you know, how they go about their process, whether they how long they spend writing, wh- whether they 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 do it verbally, they they just talk it into a machine or they get in front of their computer and they just outline and then they just start writing. What's what's your process? How do you go about writing your fantasy? Okay, I'm actually going to teach a class on this as soon as really? um, the apocalypse is over. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Um, yeah, because I have done – there's a, um, a program online called NaNoWriMo, which is um, National Novel Writing Month. It happens in November. And people from all over the world um, go on this site and they register. And then the idea is – the challenge is, is to write 50,000 words in 30 days. And I have beat that challenge I don't know how many times. I've written 50,000 words in 15 days at times. So, um, and that's because I have a system. And the system I created came from books. Um, One of them is John Truby's Anatomy of Story, um, Save the Cat. You know, there's a lot of books that I have, you know, compiled all these different little 
systems of writing and came up with my own. And so what I do is I start with a premise, and the, the premise is um, it's like the plot, you know, in one word, you know. Those of us in the arts know that you have to have a log line if you're in film or a, <clears throat> a pitch, they call it. Mm-hmm. So I start with that. Um, for instance, the premise of Ian's realm is a young boy stumbles into a fantasy world and is kidnapped by dragon worshippers. So that's mm-hmm. my. So then I have my characters, and I have to work on who my characters are going to be. And this, this is I do this before I even start writing. You know, I, I develop my characters. You know, who who are his sidekicks? Who's his antagonist? What's his background? Where does he come from? You know, what are all the things that in his background that shaped him into who he is today and what's his goal and what's keeping him from attaining his goal and how does the antagonist, you know, play into it. All of that stuff I have to figure out. I have to map it all out. And then I, um, they also map out the world at the same time. And um, <clears throat> since when I you have say, a goal... First, let me interrupt real quick so I understand something because yes. I just want to clarify this um, because I'm taking notes... So um, we're talking about your system, and you're talking about the importance of the premise. Don't lose your thought, though, by the way, because I know I've interrupted you. You talk about the premise, which is the plot, and you use the fact that you basically want to only have that be one word, which I, which I think is really interesting. And then you talk about the character development, and, and I understand that. And then you said where, where I interrupted you is you said you map it out. So do you physically make a big circle with a web and, you know, make, make spokes out of it? I mean, how do you physically make that map out? Okay, yeah, I do. Because if I didn't, me personally would be lost. I, had, I forget things and I get confused and stuff. So I have to have it all in pictures <laughs> in front of me. So I will make, make a map of the world and I will make a map, a timeline if I need to. Like when I'm doing sequels to books, I definitely need a timeline. Um, and I probably should have more timelines too for for just one book, so that I don't get lost and say it's Monday today, and then the next day it's Monday. <laughs> you know. Yes. But um. <clears throat> so, so anyway, so I set a goal for him. I've already done that, and so I have point A. And he has to get from point A to point B. So he has to get from where he's at today to where he wants to be figure out how long that's going to take and there's, there's always got to be a character arc when you have you know he has to develop on his way to point b so um so i what i do then is outline a series of events that's going to take him to point b and all of these events they're going to be conflicts there's going to be you know people getting in his way you know or maybe people helping him or you know his inner you know inner struggles, you know. It's going to take all those kind of things to get him to point B. So I map those, I outline those. I put them in, you know, little paragraphs that talk about what he's going through. Mm-hmm. And then those are my chapters. And then when I have the oh. chapters um, headings done, I'll go into Word on my computer and I'll put the headings on each separate, each one a separate page, and then I start writing. It usually takes about thirteen to fifteen to thirty days to make a draft out of that, and then of course I go back in. I leave placeholders if I need to do research because in some of my stories I do a lot of research. Mm-hmm. But I'll just put placeholders because once you get the draft down, it's a lot easier to go back and and do all the the emotions and the research work and 
smoothing out sentence structures and doing all that kind of editing. Do you try not to edit yourself while you're writing? I mean, you're a good writer, so you obviously are going to understand that. But is it more important to you to get the concept on that on that Word document since you've done your outline than it is to start criticizing and editing yourself as you move through that first draft? Yeah, it is because you know you have a pacing that you want in the book, and you're going to lose the pacing if you keep going back and editing. Even though I mm-hmm. do sometimes, <laughs> I have to slap my hand. But right. um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I want to get it all down. Like the book I'm working on, I have gone back and done edits, and I haven't finished the last chapter yet, and I need to do right. That. So, you know, how much yeah. time do you think you spend? Um. Well, I, you know, I guess I'm interested about all of this. Maybe I'll – well, I'll ask you this now. We, I didn't ask you that about your art. Maybe I could just ask you that just quickly to go back to art for a moment. How much time do – you, do you paint every week or do you paint once a month? How much time do you spend in your art um, field? I pay, I give lessons on Monday mornings to a, a oh. few other ladies, and that's when I paint. And if I, you know, if I have a commission, I'll go back up to my studio and paint more, of course, you know, to get it done. But if I'm just painting for the fun of it, Mm -hmm. um, I'll go up there and I'll paint, you know, for two hours on Monday. And then, and then I'll, you know, what I've been doing lately is I go up in my studio and write. And when I take a break from writing and I want to think about what I'm writing, I go over in there and paint. Interesting. Yeah. So okay, because your because your studio is also where you write as well, right? I got it. Okay, I I didn't I I'm, I was just interesting about I was interested to know about that. This is really interesting. So when you I know that that you are also write screen you're a screenwriter as well. So when you write your novels, do you have a screenplay in your mind as you're actually writing it? Is that part of your process? Um. Not, not exactly. I, you know, I'm, when I'm writing my novels, I visualize things. You know, I see things happening. You know, I see the scenes and then I write them. Um, but I don't think specifically of screenplays. A lot of screenwriters they don't even write novels. They just go down and sit down and write a screenplay. And I have never done that. What I've done with my screenplays, they're, they're adapted from my novels because I see the scenes you know, so vividly that I can, you know, go through the novel and know, hey, yeah, this has to be in it and this has to be in it and write it that way. So, so no, I'm not thinking screenplay when I'm writing. Interesting. But I, I, I'm trying to remember my daughter also loved to write. Actually, she loved to act as well when she was at Westchester High School. And I remember her getting, so we're talking about in the 90s, and I remember when she got uh, a program for screenwriting. It was it, it was something that she got online back in those days. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. And and so when you're when you're writing a screenplay, does that does that in your mind make you feel like this is going to then be adapted to a movie is that the purpose of a screenplay? Ultimately, that's the purpose of a screenplay. Yes, and I have this, you know, this, you know, idea in my mind. I would love to see one of my books made into a movie. <laughs> As, you know, but I mean, who wouldn't? You know, most writers would because they see it, and 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 we have, you know, we've done some 
some uh, some films, and it is so exciting because what happens is you get people, actors, and um, cameramen, and uh, you know all the behind the scene people, the costume makers, and everything, all excited about the story and the characters that you created, and it it's just you know an incredible. Um, it's just incredible to have yes. that happening, you know, I everybody bet. getting together. And, oh, then I, you know, I get to be in, you know. <laughs> it's like, wow, okay. Well, <laughs> you know, so my mind is just sort of delving into this journey with you. So you've written the book, we're, and I know we're going to talk about Ian because it's a prize winner. You've written the book. You're You're going to make it into a screenplay. Now, as you're writing the screenplay, out of curiosity, are you visualizing, and this is the perfect role for Brad Pitt. This is the perfect role for Susie Q, whoever. <laughs> do, you, do, you, do you see actors or stage people? Do you see people in your mind as you're writing a screenplay? I see them after I've written the screenplay. And then, because I, you know, I'm, you know, pardon me, but I'm really not, into the big Hollywood scene. I don't sure. know all the actors these days. I don't either. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, <laughs> and so, you know, when it comes to a teenager, okay, who, what teenagers are, you know, mm-hmm. are acting, you know. And I, you know, I don't have a TV. I don't watch a lot of film. You know, I, you know, we've got stars, you know, I watch Outlander and, you know, specific mm-hmm. movies that we go to, but but I'm not a big TV person, so I don't mm-hmm. really know all the names that are out there. But it's kind of funny because when, after um, when I was writing Ian's Realm, the screenplay, I was online on Facebook, and I came across this one gal who was um, her her young boy is an actor, and um, and his picture. I said that is that is Daryl in my book, you know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh well, that's good. Well, you know, and so I sent her the book, and we talked, and she said, well, let's make a, you know. Let's film it, you know, and the next thing I know, we were filming Ian's film. So, oh. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure it wasn't partner. quite that simple. I'm sure it just, <laughs> well, oh, okay, fine, this is I'm sure there was a whole bunch of stuff that went into that. <laughs> but how exciting, yeah, how exciting yeah. to, to, to continue to grow your brand and to just, I don't want to say reinvent yourself, but to continue to to grow as as that artist that I'm using as the overarching word here, to go from painting to go not, not and not uh, not a, uh, abandoning painting, but adding the writing, and now adding um, the screenwriting. I I think that that's just remarkable. So now you've got this book done. You you've spent quite a bit of time. You said 15 to 30 days to get a draft done on a book about, and then right. you have to and go back takes, and rewrite, rewrite, yeah, rewrite. It takes rewrite, a few rewrite. months after that to, it takes a yes. few months after that to get it finished, yeah. Sure. So when you move now from that novel to the screenwriting aspect, how long does that take? Um, if it's all, if the novel's done, it doesn't take that long to write the screenplay. I have Final Draft, the same kind, probably the same software that your daughter has, um, and you know, and I know how to use it, and I mm-hmm. just go through the book, and I know where the because you know the book is so much a part of me, I know where everything is and what I want, the important plot, 
you know, you really have to condense when you take a novel and adapt it to a screenplay. So mm-hmm. what you want is the plot points, you know, what moves the story forward the most and where are you going to get the most action and, and the most emotional content, you know. So I know those, you know, I know that because I know the story. So it really mm-hmm. doesn't take that long to put it into a screenplay, maybe, you know, a couple of days even. Really? Yeah. In fact, um, I had someone asking me to write Dylan, which was a feature screenplay that I wrote, that's the one that won the awards, um, into episodes. And, you know, I thought, oh, you know, I'm probably going to have to write this and write that, you know, because I didn't think it was long enough, the feature was long enough for five episodes. And so I broke it down and added a little here and there, and I did it in a night. Wow. But, you know, most of your professional screenwriters, they have to do it, you know, like that. They have to do it quickly. Yeah. I just... I just didn't know that, and excuse my ignorance because, you know, I suppose what you don't know, you don't know. That's why you ask. So (laughs) when you write a screenplay, does that actually translate to where that young boy that you talked about that plays Ian, those those are his lines, those are the words he memorizes in the screenplay? Yeah, right. Actually, that young boy played a different character in in the oh, okay, sorry. In that story. But um, yeah, I pretty much use the same conversation, you know, the same dialogue that I have in the book, because I think it works, you know. Mm-hmm. But if it doesn't, I, I will change the dialogue. I have changed the dialogue here and there. But yeah, I use as much as I can. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was looking. You know, I don't know. Have you ever seen um, Horatio Hornblower? The series Horatio Hornblower. No, I haven't. The, the books were written by C. S. Forrester, and okay. um, and the the film, the series of films. I don't remember. I think there was ten or eleven. Um, they were taken from the books, and I go back to the book when I'm reading the books. Same lines, you know, same lines that are in the book are in and BBC put it out. It's wonderful. I, you know, I really enjoyed the the movie. But um it's pretty old. But uh, no, yeah. But, well, that you know, for those of us that are not in in the in your let's use your word realm, um where <laughs> we aren't in this world, this is really interesting. It's interesting to me to understand your creative process and um, it's it's funny, Diane. I, I there's a picture of you on your website with this most beautiful, looks like velvety, colorful. Oh. <laughs> I mean, it's it, I mean that's the sort of speaks you, doesn't it? It's just it's just who you are. It just brings you forward like that. It's a really lovely picture. Um, oh, so okay, so you so we've we've got the art. Do are do, do you have you ever done art that's actually been on a cover of any of the books you've authored? Yes, I have. Um, the first edition of Ian's Realm was all from my, a painting that I did. I did. I painted a dragon that was three panels, four feet by nine feet. And I still Whoa. have that in my studio. And wow. um, each one of the panels was one of the covers of the three books that I wrote. Wow. And that was put out by a small press in 2013, and then again in 2015, I think it had the small press folded, and I had to go to another press, and they put they put the books out too. But um, 
after that, I put all three of those books into what you see now on my website, and that's the same dragon face, but they didn't do the other two uh, panels for that. And So when and, I'm uh, looking my... at, on your website, when I'm looking at Ian's Realms Saga trilogy, trilogy book one through three, and there's mm-hmm. this fierce dragon on that, you are the artist that did that. That's my dragon. We changed the color, photoshopped the color differently. All right. Um, but yeah, yeah. In fact, if you scroll down on my website, there's a picture of the entire three panels together. Okay, that's 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 really great to know. So, in speaking about that, um, and talking about your screenplays, and talking about the. the I know people, and, and I, I know just from getting to know you over these past few weeks when we spoke off the air, you are extremely humble, and that's just who you are. But really, this, this is a real opportunity for you to shine and share some of the incredible um, um, opportunities and acknowledgments that you've got from your work. Can you tell me a little bit about that? About about the awards you've received? Oh, well, okay. Um, The book Ian's Realm has won a Book Excellence Award as well as Cassandra's Castle. And I wish people would look into Cassandra's Castle because that's one of my favorite books that I wrote. And it's book five to the Ian's Realm saga. And it's gotten wonderful reviews but just not a lot of traffic. Okay. So I have a couple book rewards. Um, I have an audiobook award for um, Thread of a Spider. I got the Listener's Choice Audiobook Award for that. And I, that is a, it's a wonderfully done, wonderfully narrated book. Um, the story is about 1921 Ireland, and I threw in some Irish myth that goes with it. And the fellow who narrates it is Irish, and he's got this wonderful accent, and he just <laughs> made that book come alive. <laughs> it's like, oh, wow. So, um, okay, so that one got an award. Unfortunately, Peterbody should have gotten an award, but it was um, published in an off year at the wrong mm. time of the year to qualify for anything. So, so I never was able to enter it into um, into a contest. But okay. but I think it's you know it's an excellent narration. Um, as far as Ian's realm, it was it did the film festival circuit. All last year, it won 14 awards, selected in, I I think it was like 30-something film festivals, which in itself is an award, too, because not all films get into the film festivals. Um, Lots of awards for that. I've got so many laurels that everybody says I need a bigger poster for it. That's Um, funny. Dylan, yeah. Dylan (laughs) has, um, I've been entering that into uh, screenwriting film festivals, and it has won eight awards. And it, when you know when you get an award for a, a screenplay that you wrote, it's kind of special because you're the one that wrote it. You know, well, so, and, yeah. and 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 Dylan, that is a much that's I, that's not fantasy, is it? I wouldn't call that fantasy, would you? It's um, it's classified under magical realism. Because there's magic in it, but it's modern day. Um, it's about an autistic young man who can wield magic. He can cook things out of, you know, make these wonderful dishes out of 
plein air, and he also um, spins marbles out of oyster shells. He doesn't realize that his marbles are actually pearls, and that's part of what happens in the book is um, everybody else knows they're pearls, and they try to get them from them. But, um, yeah, it's it's the magical realism. How do you how do you do that? How do you <laughs> write about? I mean, I don't know if other people are listening, going, "What? Wait a minute! <laughs> that how, how did where how did that even enter the your mental existence?" Oh, that, because that's a personal story for me. I used to drive for Access, um, the Access right. bus, which drives the handicapped people around. And a lot of our people were autistic or Down syndrome or you know unable to ride, you know, the routed bus. And mm-hmm. I just fell in love with these people. I drove for a couple of years, and and I, and I saw that a lot of these people were really intelligent, but they couldn't communicate well enough for people to realize that they're intelligent. And that's why I wrote Dylan the book. And also Dylan is homeless for a while, too, and we used to work for the homeless people. And so mm-hmm. I wanted to put a little bit of that into my story as well. To, to you know, generate some sympathy for these people. Not just sympathy, but um, appreciation and sure. and uh, in respect for these people. And so yes. the book itself, I, I almost never write in first person, but the book is written in first person because I wanted people to see his thoughts and see that he actually thinks like you and I, but what comes out is different. You know, he has a he struggles with communicating, sure. and so um, and so he you know he was special to me, and um, and I just wanted to see wanted to show his character arc. You know, he's got this magic that he's you know this is his thing. This is you know this is how he respects himself is with this magic that he can do. You know, it's a special thing, and he lives wow. with his uncle Jim, who's a Vietnam veteran who can relate to him, that who loves him dearly. And, now is that uh, Uncle Jim is is that fact or fiction? This Uncle Jim? Oh, it's all fiction. Oh, it's I all made fiction. The whole okay, story I'm up. with you. Yeah. Okay. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I made the whole right. story up, but but you know, I mean, I've known you know, Vietnam veterans in wheelchairs, so it's not like this is a character that you know isn't isn't. Dylan is a composite of he's of a composite. Young people. Yes. Right. Yeah. I'm with you now. Yeah. Okay. Right. So he lives wow. with his uncle. Um, mm-hmm. And his uncle loves him very much, and they kind of take care of each other because he's in a wheelchair. Dylan can help him. He can cook for him. And yet, you know, the uncle, you know, watches out for Dylan, makes sure he doesn't make any major mistakes or anything like that. But uh, but Uncle Jim dies, and um, Uncle Jim's sister puts Dylan in a boarding home because he's an mm-hmm. adult. And he has a horrible time trying to communicate and, you know, and trying to cope with the boarding home. But eventually, he, you know, there's a girl that's there. They eventually fall in love. Um, there's a, mm. a man who's a paraplegic that Dylan sympathizes with because he knows that there's, this guy is all bottled up inside and he can't express himself. So, you know, he gets really close to this man. And then um, and then something happens and it just everything, you know, turns topsy-turvy and Dylan's running down the beach, you know, and trying to find a way to live by himself on the beach. Which, so, will you, I think I got to tell the whole story away. <laughs> right, no, I don't want you to do that. I want people to, right. to read it. But So, but, so Dylan's, 
Now, so that I'm clear, because you're in a genre that I'm not f- real familiar with, so Dylan what started as a book, then did Dylan become a screenplay next? I've written Dylan as a screenplay. That's what's been winning the awards. The screenplay has been swept. Not the, the screenplay book. has been winning awards. Okay. And I, you know, right. I entered that into um, screenplay contests and film festivals. Got it. And then I just recently broke the feature film screenplay up into episodes so that if we do get a producer, which we're trying to do, mm-hmm. you know, somebody who can put out, you know, fork out some money so we can film. And I have a director and a cinematographer who wants to film it, um, but we need the money, of course. Mm-hmm. Then we're going to do the episodes, put it on Amazon Prime, and hopefully go that route. Oh, I see. So I, I, I'm okay. As opposed to going to the Loyola movie theater, this is going to be something that right. people yeah, will. Yeah, yeah. Got it. it I, I'm you know, you I mean, this day and age, streaming mm-hmm. is almost overtaking the movie theaters. Yes, it is. Well, yeah. the good news about that is, is. You know, we don't know how long we're going to be under house arrest. I mean, exactly. it's from state to state. I know um, the West Coast is doing things a little bit different than the other parts of the country. But yeah. um, it, it, that's that's fascinating. So with all that you're doing, do you have another? I, I think I heard you say at the top of the hour that you are just doing the finishing touches on a book that you're currently working on. I am. I've got another series going. I wanted to try my hand at adult fantasy. Um, it's a high fantasy book. It's got a little bit of romance in it. And I wanted to try um, to target that readership. I've mm-hmm. had a little bit of trouble selling with young adult. People say young adult is a big thing. But the thing about young adult is the teenagers don't have credit cards. They don't get online and buy things they have to rely on their parents got it to buy the books for them and most of the people buying online which is where most of the sales are coming from mm-hmm. are adults looking to read books and so and you know i mean there's there's a gigantic fantasy you know culture out there um worldcon the hugo awards you know uh that you know that I wanted to tap into, and so I wanted to try my hand at an adult fantasy. That's fun, and, and you know, just hearing you say that, Diane, I'm already visualizing your process. I'm, or, I thought that that was so interesting to hear about how you do your process, your sim, your system, you know, your premise, your plot, your mm-hmm. your characters. Your mapping, your online events, I, I, I mean, outlining your events. I, I just, if somebody was ever thinking about writing, you have so generously described what it is that you do to make that happen. And I'm, I'm so grateful that you've shared that because with so many of us staying home right now, maybe somebody's listening that is never going to pick up a paintbrush, but maybe they'll, they're, they're sitting in front of the computer all day anyway. What an interesting way, even if it ends up being the story of yourself. People often have asked me, Marsha, when are you going to write a book? It's like, oh, like I have time for that. But, you know, I, I, I hear the, the process, and I think that's really tremendous with the painting and the writing and all the genres that you write and a large property that you have and your large family. 
How do you keep your how do you keep your life for you? How do you keep your life in balance? Well, gardening really helps, you know, this time of year, going out in the garden. Um I you know, I love to garden. But mm-hmm. you know, my husband, he you know, he has his little projects that he does, you know. Um right now I've got my daughter and her kids with us and they're doing their own thing. So everybody's kind of off into their own little worlds. So Okay. So it's, you know, it's not like I owe my time to anybody. Everybody's, you know, adult here, so mm-hmm. you know. Do you exercise or get out and get some we fresh air? I mean, I know gardening obviously gets you out. Yeah, and when we're allowed to, we go for walks. <laughs> right. Right now, we're well, we can go up the street. You know, we usually there's a forest not very far from us that my husband and I like to walk in. Sure. Um, yeah, it's beautiful in there. So yeah, it, we pretty much go for walks and garden and you know trim fruit trees and you know mow lawns and you know there's mm-hmm. plenty of exercise here on the property. So absolutely. What kind of trees you know, do you have? I've got let's see one two three. I've got a whole bunch of apple trees. We we. I do a lot of canning in the summer, or at nice. the end of summer. And pear, um, I have a beautiful pear tree. We've got some plum. Um, we've got blueberries, cherries, lots of cherries, pie cherries. And I can wow. those or make pies out of them. And so there's a lot of cooking that happens in the fall. Hmm. Yeah. That's so cool because you sure didn't grow up that way. <laughs> not not at least in no, your childhood. But you, that know? Was, you know, that was always my dream. Wow. I always, I either, you know, I wanted to have a horse, and there was a time in my life when we lived in Arizona that we had 25 horses and lived on, you know, some desert property, and so I had that part of my life, that dream fulfilled, and now, it's kind of funny, my son came out to visit us, and he said, Mom, this is what you always wanted, and I go, yep. Isn't <laughs> it beautiful? Yeah. Isn't it, what you just said is really um, significant, when your own child can say mom this is what you always wanted that yeah. means the legacy that that you received from your artistic parents you have demonstrated to your own family that's a large family how many grandchildren do you have a ton i, I have 16 grandchildren and one wow. great grandchild wow that's a big family and yeah. i think it's really outstanding that you're living your dream, and I think that one of the things that's happened as we've been required to really reexamine how we live, um, particularly those of us that are seniors particularly, uh, I still get out. I still walk. I, I walk in the middle of the street. I am waving to neighbors mm-hmm. I didn't know were in my neighborhood. I, I, I remember their dogs a little faster than I remember their names because so many people are out walking their dogs at all times of the day. I'm, I don't have any trees that bear fruit. Well, that's not true. I actually have a pineapple guava tree. But my roses all need to be deadheaded, and so I'm also spending some time out in that sunlight that I think is so important. Not only is it important um, physically, but it's important emotionally. And sure. like you get yourself lost in a book, I think that a lot of people are doing that as well. And just finding your own rhythm, just finding your own yeah. balance. Everybody gets to make that decision for themselves. And being at home right now, in in some ways, yes, it, it keeps us 
sort of in a disconnect. You're not going to be able to hug the people down the street. Um, but you can find some inner peace, whatever that might be, whatever that means to you. I still take my camera for a walk. I, I, I will always do that. I will be mindful mm-hmm. of where I'm going, but I, I receive a great deal of pleasure to balance my life out. And I also do yoga now, and I have found okay. that to be. That's been really, really helpful as well to me. But not so much the, the movement, Diane, but more the breathing. Just, sure. just taking in that deep breath has really had right. a, a, a large impact on my life. But mm-hmm. I just, I, it must just be so, feel so good to be you. I just, you know, I just, <laughs> I think it's just been so delightful to get to know you and to understand your process and, and, your, and your love of the arts. And I think this is really cool. You mentioned something, and I want to go back to that just real quick in my notes. That manner fine. What, what was that? What was that? Um, where you're going to be teaching online? What was? Well, it was it was M A N D. How did you spell that? Um, where you talked what, about what? how you're going to be able to do an on-site teaching? Oh yeah, I'm not going to do it online. Oh you're oh you're not going to do that. When you start teaching, oh, how are you gonna? How would? How will you do your? I, teaching? I have a class, okay. and I'm gonna for for writing. I um I have a workshop that I want to do, but I want to do it in person because I want to talk, you know, to each person individually that comes um, to see. learn about, you know, doing and you know, and then I wanted to also say all these wonderful things that you're saying about me. I couldn't have done any of it without my husband, oh, <laughs> who actually heart. supports me. <laughs> That's you so know, kind. <laughs> What's that? I mean, that's very kind, and and you're right. Yeah. A partnership <laughs> oftentimes um, includes that's the spouse that says, "Honey, I right. got dinner covered. You're you're up in the studio right now. Yeah, just just yeah. keep painting away, or just keep writing away, and we'll yeah. catch up later." So, yeah. um, a shout out to your husband because yeah. that you're that's how long have you been married? Twenty six years. Well, congratulations to you. That's you. that's that's yeah. really great, and it sounds like a lifestyle that's very rich and satisfying. And I'm so glad that you were able to share all of that with with Thank me you. personally and with with our listeners because it really does um, it does lighten the load to get to hear what other people do. And um, I've I have thoroughly enjoyed getting to know more about you, Diane. This has been a real joy. Thank you so much Thank for being you a guest for having today. me. Oh. Yeah, it's a blessing to even to talk to you. Yes, it was really nice. Well, I've I've enjoyed it. And next week, it looks like as I look at my May lineup, it it wasn't designed to be like this, but it's turned out to be like this. That all of my guests in the month of May are women. And next week, um, Mimi Donaldson, who is an expert in TED Talk and written books like yourself and just a dynamic woman, she's going to be my guest. And I would just like to say this in closing as I do my own personal advertising right now, which is I do have the website, which is borntotalkradioshow.com. I would like to encourage all of you that are listening that found this show interesting or perhaps like to listen to other shows that you subscribe right there on the website to my to my website and by doing that it will put you on a mailing list 
and you will receive a newsletter that I put out at the beginning of every month that that puts the recap of the month of May on, on that web on that newsletter and it will also show you the outstanding guests that I will be having in the month of June. So we all like to receive the um to know that people are enjoying what we're doing. I know that that I do. And I, your support is always welcomed and appreciated for those of you out there. You can subscribe to any podcast device you have. I mean, anything from Spotify to iHeart to iTunes to Google Play to Stitcher. I'm on all of those. Blog Talk Radio, I'm in all of those locations. And all you type in is Born to Talk Radio Show, and my shows will also download at your convenience in the um, podcast of your choice. So that commercial is brought to you by me, to me. So I want to thank you again, Diane, for for joining me today. And I wish you just a safe and pleasant week. And the same for all of you. I look forward to having you join me again next week. Thanks again, Diane. Thank you, Marsha. Thank you for having me on your show. You're welcome. Bye for now, everyone. Bye. Okay.